well, it's good to be here. I'd rather, rather be here than somewhere else. I'd rather be here than Walmart right now trying to buy groceries. Goodness gracious. You got to start training for that nowadays. Yeah, man. And Brother Phil Spencer was down here. By the way, he said he loved you guys. You guys were a blessing to him and his wife. They appreciated being around y'all, talking with y'all. It was just it was a blessing to their heart. And I want to thank y'all and commend y'all on that. But he said that he uh, got to tour H-E-B. And he goes, Madhouse, but I love it. They don't have H-E-B apparently down inside of El Paso. I thought they did. But eh, they're lost. Go ahead and find our, our place tonight in the book of Acts. The book of the Acts, chapter number 1. We'll look here inside of verse number 8. Acts 1, 8. Very familiar passage, very familiar text. But I believe it's still relevant today. We see here in 1, 8 it says, Christ is talking here and says, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part, part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward the heaven as he went, uh, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you unto heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into, into heaven. Verse 12, Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem a Sabbath day journey. And when they were all come in, they went up into an upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew and Philip, Thomas and Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon uh, and Simon zealots and Judah the brother of James Judas the brother of James these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and with his brethren heavenly father bless this day Lord help us God to be seek to honor and glorify you God in your word Lord help me Lord as I just seek to Bring glory to what you'd have me to show up tonight, Lord. Let's be asking your name. Amen. So, be seated. You know the passage, you know the story, you know how it's going to go. But I want to focus on, on the recipe for unity that Christ gives us. We're going to be bouncing across these few chapters, but it has the same purpose and the same uh, 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 keys that we see to how we can also achieve unity in the body of Christ. I want to be talking about Peter tonight and his role in not only being a, a part of this, but also very much uncharacteristic of Peter to be a man who submits to the group. No, he was most often known as a loner. He was most often known as the one who would stand apart and he would be his own person loudly and proudly. He wasn't big into group projects. If you read about Peter, you know in his... Uh, his time with Christ, even among those who had the same teacher, he found ways to become set apart from them. He's a man who is, is very much with the driven mentality of servanthood. But we see him 
in a different role. And we see God blessing that role as he submits to the recipe that God has for unity. We're going to kind of set the stage here. And I want you to notice uh, real quick inside of the book of John, chapter 21. <coughs> John 21.3. I want you to notice the difference Peter has this is that same Peter that we, we just read about going up into the upper room with the other brethren. The same Peter who finds himself dwelling days upon end in one accord in prayer and fasting and fellowship. That same Peter who we know is a man of action, a man who is, is willing to do whatever it takes, whatever it costs. This is, this is the, 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 the second time we see Jesus disappearing from Peter's life. And look here inside of, of verse uh, 2, sorry, verse 1, uh, chapter 21 in, in John. It said, after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tibias. And on the wise showed he himself. But it says here in verse 3, but Simon Peter saith unto them, those who were around him, those who were with him, he said, I go a fishing. We know the story where Peter decides to return to his old life, his own path after the loss of Jesus, after he had, had gone through a time of disbelief and gone through a time of outright denial of Jesus. He finds himself ashamed of what he has done and what he has become. And it's so much so that even, even upon uh, <coughs> being a strong man with Christ, he decides, I will go a-fishing. We know the story where Christ meets him and Christ uh, talks to him and says, Will you feed my sheep? Lovest thou me? We know the story. This is that same Peter, but in a different mentality because he understands the importance of unity. The importance of togetherness. The importance that the church and its role inside of the, the, the gospel and sharing. He understands that this is something that cannot be done by himself. Can we all admit that Peter had tried to do a lot by himself? He had tried to do a lot in his own power, and he had failed so much so. And he, it's almost as if he learned his lesson. I believe he did here. Because when we see this same Peter, who is, is there upon the Mount of Olives, looking up and seeing Christ go away after being given the promise that they will receive power. No, he doesn't turn around and say, I go a-fishing, or forget waiting, I'm going right now. No, he finds himself submitting to the recipe for unity. It's only three parts. The first part we see in verse 14. Sorry, verse, verse 13. Where they come and they went up into an upper room where abode all of them. See, the first part and the first stop in the recipe for unity is becoming a part of something bigger than yourselves. We find Christians who are burning out for Jesus because they're not a part of anything bigger than their own abilities, their own passions. If there's nothing wrong with, with, with wanting to serve God, but God doesn't require that you serve him alone. We think about some of our, of our key um, uh, fathers of the faith. We think, oh, well, you know, Moses did too. No, God gave Moses Aaron. Oh, well, you have Elijah and Elisha. No, God still gave them people to fellowship and to work along with. God has no desire for us to be the lone ranger out trying to do the best we can for him. No, he gives us a purpose, and that purpose is found in a unified body. We see here that Peter, a lone ranger, a shooter from the hip, 
He gets it. And he dwells with them. He dwells among them. He stays there. Even though I guarantee you, knowing Peter, he wanted to go out and just start shaking folks for Jesus. That's who he was. But he finds himself submitting to the command of Christ saying, I dwell among you. I dwell with the others. That's very unlike Peter. And in those days, verse 15 it says that Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples. Oh, here we go. He's going to say, I go a fishing, or I go a discipling, or I go a wrangling, or something about that. He's going to say, I'm, I'm going I'm to go just start telling folks about Jesus. No, he says, hey, men and brethren, the scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spoke concerning Judas, which was guide to them that took Jesus. And then it goes on to talk about how Judas, and it recounts his betrayal of Christ, and it recounts his death, and it recounts the, the shame it brought upon it. You know, th- this, this is the same man who decided to, to, to storm spiritual battles headlong by himself. This is the same man who brought a sword to a prayer meeting in the garden. This is the same man who said, Christ is gone, My, I have betrayed him, I go a-fishing. No, this is the same man who now is saying, guys, we need to heal some hurt we've had. That's unlike Peter. We need, to, we need to move on from this pain, this betrayal we've had in Peter and in, in, in Judas. It goes on to where they, they, they begin to, to, to sift out two worthy brethren to take the spot and to fill the void that was Judas. And they end up electing Matthias or Matthias. Because not only is the first step in unity becoming a, a part of something bigger than yourself, but also it says to, to, <coughs> me, to remember that the power is not in the part. Sorry, the power is in the part, not the person. That there was, there was some mending, there was some healing that had to happen. Too often we see churches lose faithful members and it's like everything stops. And they go, well, we can't do anything now. We've lost so-and-so. We've lost such-and-so. We've lost this family, that family. They forget that just like Judas was a loss, even though he betrayed Christ, I'm sure there was still some love towards someone that they had spent many, many years together with. His betrayal hurt. But it wasn't about the person It was about the part. See, this is a fully functioning body that they are are, are preparing here. And there was a member missing. And so they replaced that member because they understood that the work still has to go on. They didn't stop and say, well, I guess we can only function at 90% now. No, God, God finds a way to mend those that are, are, are gone and, and mend the spot that has been created, that void that has in your life. We can fall into the rut or the mentality that we can't do anything. We're only, we're only half a body. We're only a quarter of a body. It's not about the part. It's about the person that we serve. And the Christ that we serve. His power isn't limited. No, it's about our united stand under him. Can I tell you that Southwest Baptist Church has everything it needs right now to be effective? It may not seem that way. We, we, need, we need this. We need that. 
We need this ministry. We need that ministry. Agreed. But it doesn't mean we can't do anything. Well, only big churches have this. Not necessarily. Now, I will admit, it's hard to have a men's prayer breakfast with two men. It's a lot of food. I will admit, it's hard to have a soul-winning uh, outreach program with, with, with two married couples and the kid they bring along with them. I will admit, it's hard to have a choir with two people. <laughs> Call that a special. We'll admit it's hard to have a church when we see empty pews and full of memories. But Peter stood up and he said, guys, we got to mend this because we have to move on. We have to, to understand that we're gathered here together for a purpose. And that purpose isn't to uh, mourn the loss of those that have come through us, but it's to remember the purpose which we are gathered for. That's to go forward. And so they, they stopped for a second, and they, they did some mending. They did some fellowship. Remember, they're still together in this upper room, fellowshipping and, and dwelling in one accord. They're already in that spirit state where God is leading them, and God leads them to mend because he has a big purpose coming up. There are Christians that spend their lives in that wounded state. And that's not at all what God designed for us. We aren't to live inside of defeat. Well, how can we do this unless this person's here? <coughs> they remember that the power is not in the part. The power is in the part, not the person. It doesn't matter who's filling that void. It matters that there is that void is filled. You know what's awesome about this church? It's resilient. This church has done amazing things. We're talking about the Spencer, and he goes, well, where's all your men? I was like, well, 44 of them have left the church and are currently serving inside of full-time ministries elsewhere. And he goes, wait, what? And I was like, yep, over the 35 years of Brother Gunn's ministry, we have this pastor and that pastor. We begin naming off people that have left this church, gone to college or gone to uh, seminary, and they're now serving full-time. And he goes, I know that person. I know that person. They're doing great. I know that. You're kidding. From this church? Yeah. You know why? It's not about the size of the body. It's about the unity of the body. It wasn't about how big this upper room gathering was. It was about their hearts. It was about their, 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 their one accord following after God. We see that fulfilled when we skip down here to chapter 2. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Remember, verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 14. They all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus. They were all there continuing in that one accordness. Can I say, one of the biggest parts of unity is consistency. I don't know about you, but right now it's holiday baking season. I love it and I hate it because it's delicious. But it doesn't do much for the body or the figure. And that's okay. But can I tell you? I like my ingredients together and baked. 
if someone was to make me a cookie and they add in the flour and they add in the sugar and they add in the chocolate chips and then they separated it all out from the mixing bowl and cooked it, I'm not eating that. Why? It's not together. It, it didn't form together. It, it was separated out. One of the biggest recipes, one of the biggest parts of unity is consistency. We have people who say, we're going to see something done for God. It's been five minutes. Guys, nothing's happening. We've got to quit now. Nothing's going to happen. Oh, it's been, it's been five minutes. It's been five years. It's been ten years. It doesn't matter. When they went to fellowship in one accord, it, <laughs> it was to stay there until, but ye shall receive power. <coughs> they didn't know when. They didn't know when. Christ didn't say, all right, guys, you got, you got one week up there, and then something's going to happen. No, he said, hey, go. Tarry in Jerusalem. Be there. You shall receive power. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they all, with one accord, in one place. And suddenly, there came a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind. Faithfulness, stick to stubbornness even, as they, they sat there fellowshipping, uh, praying, <coughs> singing in one accord, waiting for God to do something. And then when that time came, guess what they did? They did something. We know how the story goes. I'm not going to read it all. We know how the story goes where they go out, they begin speaking in, in, in tongues, and God gave them that unique power, that unique time, and they spoke every man's language that he knew, and it was a miraculous thing. And 5,000 were added, 5,000 men were added under the church. You know, there are churches waiting on the growth of God, not the power of God. We're going to do great things for God. We just need about 80 more people. And then we'll do great things. That's not how that works. Well, we'll do good things and great things for God when God sends this and sends that. And we really, we're going to have a wonderful soul winning program. We just need about 20 more people. It's not about the numbers. It's not about that. It, nothing in this involved a number count of how many were there. God wasn't looking heaven like, all right, all right, today we got 20. Okay, now we got 40. Oh, we're getting there. Now we got 30. Oh, guys, one more. No. God wasn't counting bodies. He isn't a God limited by quantity. He is a God who is more concerned with unity and, and oneness of heart under the guise and under the, the promise that he will give power to those who serve him first. And ye shall receive power. <coughs> Christ didn't say ye have received power. He said ye shall receive power. There are Christians that are waiting to do something for God when there's others as well. I think about some of the, the greatest missionaries. I could talk all day with Miss jo Joanne about it. I love it. She's actually read most of my college textbooks that I had on missionaries. We've got to talk about it. But I love it. 
And William Carey said, expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. See, he was from a time and an era where folks are like, I believe God will do great things. I'm just going to sit here and wait. Oh, we need this, we need that, we need missionaries. And finally, William Carey said, great, let's go. Let's attempt great things for God. The recipe for unity is quite simply put, gathering together under God's power. More importantly, staying there. That's a hard thing to do. We've been part of this church for 10 years, 20 years, 2 years. Nothing's happened. Time to move on. We've been here in this ministry and it hasn't grown. Time to leave. You know what's funny? We live in a town where that was a lot of the mentality. There's nothing out here. The only reason the town exists is because they needed somewhere to refuel and, and get some water for the, the, the trains. <laughs> All right. We're running out of water and coal right about here. Let's put a town halfway between El Paso and Dallas. What we would call it? Midland. And that's why we're here. Congrats. <laughs> they needed somewhere to run the cattle trains. And I don't know how they discovered oil out here. Maybe someone threw some dynamite down a gopher hole. I don't know. But now people are coming here on purpose. And we get to be a part of that. We've waited so long to see this church grow. I guess it's time to leave. Can I tell you? <clears throat> Never before have the promises of God meant so much to me than in the last two years. I, I've, I've been a Christian for a while... But never so much have the promises where God says, be faithful and I will bless. Never have they meant something sweeter and greater than going through the last two years with family and church and ministry. The never so much before have I seen God ready to do something. And it'd be a shame if we find ourselves deciding to go a fishing. Some of you are like, you're preaching to the choir. I've been here for, actually most of you are the choir. Some of you are like, you, I've been here longer than you have. Great. I know there's a time coming when and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. And it set upon each of them. There's great things coming from God for this church. Are you ready? Are you in unity? Part of being in unity is being here. Cream of the crop, Wednesday night, I get it. But it's really, really wonderful to know every day, we get one day closer to seeing God 
do something great here. I would argue that he already has done great things here. And he will continue to do great things here. But it's not time to get out of the boat. It's not time to go somewhere else. It's not time to be like, well, it's just not my thing. It's not time for that. It's time to understand that, that there, there's some hurt that needs to be healed. There's some pain that needs to be worked through. There's, there's some understanding that there are people missing, but God has provided his power and his ability for others to take their spot and to take their place. And yes, there's some hurt, and yes, there's some pain, but there's still a God who's never left us, and who's never forsaken us. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. January 8th, Vision Sunday. I've never experienced one of those. I'm excited. <coughs> what can I tell you? We've got to be a part of the, the vision. We gotta be here. We gotta be involved. Oh, I'm I'm scared. I get it. I'm worried. I understand. I'm fearful. I completely understand. I I just can't. I wish you would. I don't have this talent. I disagree. I am glad that God uses simple people. One of my favorite parts of that story is them being like, Aren't aren't these Galileans? How do they know my tongue? Aren't these men? And then, then Peter and then they, they, they go before the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they're like, I perceive you are unlearned fishermen. Yes, <laughs> that's us. And 5,000 were added to the church. I don't believe in, in, in faith, promise, um, growth. I believe inside of consistency. I believe inside of not the whole build it and they will come, but be here and God will bless and I know that if we continue in unity in the ups and the downs, if we, if we continue together and we mend that hurt and we mend that pain and we understand that God has given us everything we need, all we have to do is say, yes, sir. I know that God will bless this church if we seek to be unified under his call. Someone wants to give the illustration of a boat with a bunch of oars. I don't know about you, but I have experienced a many boats and paddles or boats and oars in my life. Grew up uh, kayaks, catamarans, anything that, you know, piece of driftwood, anything. And I've always found it's easier when everyone in the boat is going the same direction. I once had a summer where I was the, the bigger of the of the, most of the kids there, and I got I got to be in charge of the smallest one, and this kid couldn't decide which side of the boat he wanted to paddle on, and so we just did this. We both chose the same side. We were going in circles, and then he swapped sides and we started kind of fish town a little bit. And uh, I can say that he did tip the boat over, and I did get mad at him. There was uncertainty there. But when you're with people who all are in the same momentum, that same stroke, they all understand their purpose, their side, their job. And there's that guy at the front, just boom, boom, 
love it. You'll see boats cruising along at impressive speeds. And everyone's in unified oneness under that drum, under that, 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 that beat. Can I tell you, we have that call. We have that rhythm. We have that recipe that God gave us. Are you rowing to the right drum beat? Are you in unity? Because the only way this church will succeed at the call that Christ has left with us to do is if we're in one unified agreement and following Christ. Where are you in the church? Are you a part of it? Are you, are you, are you having a hard time grabbing an oar? Let's pray. Let's be dismissed. Be in prayer for those who the devil is, is successfully removed. Be in prayer for those that have been, have been left for reasons that just aren't fair. Be in prayer that they would come back and that God would bless as we unite under him and his word in our pursuit of the gospel. Heavenly Father, bless us.